Hello and how's it going everybody? Welcome back. Um, I hope you guys are doing alright. I hope you guys were able to uh, listen to the last uh, episode. Um, hopefully you guys, I don't know, enjoyed it, uh, feel identified, I don't know, whatever Whatever I guess comes to it, right? It was a, uh, it was a, a very kind of emotional, I was in my, in my feelings type of episode, but you know, it is what it is. Um, we are just trying to make it work (laughs) and just kind of doing some stuff right uh we're trying on new things uh, and you know we're just kind of figuring out what what we're doing you know what we're doing with what we're doing basically um so basically now we're just kind of staying close to home staying close to what got us started and when i say us i mean myself but basically, when I started doing this, it was just about, you know, talking about soccer, talking about the Dynamo, talking about stuff like that. So this one might be a lot more, di- well, I don't know, honestly, what is going to be, but the podcast will be, you know, soccer related, obviously. Uh, it has been for for literally years. Um, it's crazy that we're I'm going into like my fourth year of sitting down and talking to a mic and, and just kind of saying stuff. So every year I feel the same way that you know a kind of year closes by but hey the dynamo are still playing they're still in season i'm still going to the games i'm still kind of putting out stuff and you guys are still listening so i really appreciate that thank you for joining uh whatever this is and what space it is but i did ask a question or i asked uh people on the social medias to kind of leave me some suggestions leave me some uh some stuff that you kind of wanted me to talk on touch on and stuff like that but um uh some of the stuff uh, i honestly i don't know if i know about them but you know we're just gonna give it our best right so somebody asked me shout out to gustavo Uh, i don't know if he's listening or not but shout out to him one of the homies one of the og homies uh from back in the day when we first arrived to the united states he was like the first person i kind of knew or like the first kid my age and obviously we we grew up kind of went our separate ways but you know we're still kind of in touch uh here and there but cool kid uh he asked about the comeback of inter americana 2024 so i don't know if this is uh a little jab at <laughs> the fact that boca lost against fluminense which could have been a a obviously a potential thing for the dynamo to not the Dynamo, but for Boca Juniors to kind of play in this. So basically, the Interamericana is a a kind of what well, it says here. It was established in 1969 and it was con- discontinued in 1998 after Concacaf clubs, particularly those from Mexico, began participating in Comebol competitions. So it was a competition between Concacaf North America and South America Comebol respectively right so it was basically the best of the best uh on each continent and they would play each other the last champions were actually dc united it says here uh i wonder what year it was and then the most successful club and when it comes to this uh interamericana is the independiente who in argentina they're called rey de copas they have uh currently the most uh international cups by any club or maybe just Libertadores. They have seven Libertadores. They haven't won a Libertadores in forever, but they still hold the title. So imagine how many they had racked up back in the days. 
Um, let me see when they won them because they won them a while back. Um, let me see International Cup in 1973, 1994. So they were um, there. The Copa Interamericana, Copa Libertadores seven times. They're the only club to win four finals in a row between 1972 and 1975. Um, Independiente has won 20 titles with 18 of them organized by Comebol. So imagine that. They are basically the OGs of OGs when it comes to being champions of everything. It's crazy that literally this year or last year, they were almost went bankrupt as a club. Well, I think they might have went bankrupt, but they were about to kind of dissolve as an institution, which it's kind of insane because, you know, it's one of the... In Argentina, we have the Cinco Grandes, the five uh, giants, I guess we can call them. So, which is Boca, River, Independiente... Racing and San Lorenzo and then you know you have like a few ones that kind of follow behind them but those are like the five grades of Argentina um let me see if we hear if I can find kind of like the competitions so 1969 the first final was actually between Estudiantes de la Plata against Toluca from Mexico then you have Nacional versus Cruz Azul Independiente against Olimpia interesting Independiente Municipal Independiente Espanol, America was the, f well actually they lost against Boca Juniors, back in 78, Olimpia from Paraguay beat FAS from El Salvador uh, UNAM in, in 1981 beat Nacional from Uruguay 6-5, Argentinos Juniors against the 18 from Trinidad and Tobago Defense Force uh, River Plate a la Juvalense. That's a tough one. The last one was DC United beating Vasco de Gama 2-1. So that's interesting to see that an MLS team was the first participation in this or in a final. And they won it the only time, 1998. And now we're going to we're gonna have it again. So how, how amazing is that? How crazy is that? Um, let me see here if I can find who is going to be playing the 2024 edition because i think it's already set so obviously messi and uh and inter miami are going to be one of the teams concacaf has club leon inter miami fluminense and liga de quito are going to be the the i guess it's only four teams right so they go from uh, semifinals and then final so miami is actually going to be play fluminense which it's well, I guess, yeah, the stronger seed is Fluminense playing against the lower seed, which is League's Cup, which I guess it would be a lower cup compared to the CONCACAF Champions League, which was won by Leon, who beat uh, LAFC last year. And then uh, Lau, the... Lau, I'm tripping. My bad. <laughs> Liga de Quito from... Because uh, Lau is like their opposing rivals. Uh, Liga de Quito from Ecuador, they're going to be playing Leon. Which, you know, Recopa tends to be the lower, I guess, lower league compared to uh, Copa Libertadores, right? But it's going to be it's gonna be fun. Um, when is that going to be? Um, but, 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 let's look it up. It's going to be in 2024. I, most likely in the summer. How usually most of these cups are played. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting because obviously uh, during the year, a lot of uh, the teams kind of, you know, change uh, players and stuff like that. So. We'll see when this cup will be played. No date or venue has been confirmed. So God knows when it's going to be played. 
but is making the first comeback uh, after 26 years of not being played. Obviously, Lionel Messi coming to the MLS was probably a big bump to that decision. And since he's going to be playing it, they were like, hey, let's just bring it back. So they brought it back. Uh, so hopefully that was uh, enough information. But if I honestly, that's a good question. Who do you who do I think is going to win it? And who do you guys think is going to win it? Um, I think Liga de Quito will beat Club León. And I think Fluminense will beat um, Inter Miami. That kid from freaking, well, John Kennedy from Fluminense is a fucking beast. And uh, what's his face? Um, the guy that it is really Cano, Cano from um, from Grem from Gremio, from um, Fluminense. He is amazing too. Honestly, I'm surprised he well, cause, probably because he's old, but I'm surprised he hasn't been called to uh, La Selección because he's 35 years old, but he's Argentinian. I know a lot of people have been saying that he should go to the actually to the Brazilian national team. So that's gonna be interesting right there. Um, seeing where where that's going to happen but it is what it is I think Fluminense might take it all even though Liga de Quito Fluminense in a final it's like a, it's a Recopa final too because at the end of the day the the winner of Copa Libertadores and the winner of um, of the other cup which is La Re, uh, no La Recopa uh, damn it I always forget the name of it uh, la Sudamericana, sorry. Copa Sudamericana en, en Copa Libertadores always play la Recopa. La Recopa. So that's going to be interesting there. That's going to be a really good game. So that's my final. And I do have a friend, Seba. Shout out to him. That he's a Liga de Quito fan. Obviously, Fluminense, I could care less about them, especially after beating Boca. So we're going to go all in with Liga de Quito. We're going to support them, boys. We're going to go Ecuadorian. And I think they're going to bring it to South America for sure. Um, the other question that I was asked um, was about um, youth in the city of Houston, which caught my attention. And I told the gentleman, which I'm about to pull his name, uh, Chris, Chris Peralta, who I will have on the podcast. I told him already that I'm re I'm really interested in, in what he does. He's a actually a FIFA agent. He's like a. He's an agent. He's like a soccer player agent. So we're going to have him on the podcast. We're going to set up a time and we're going to have him on, ask him a bunch of questions, ask him, you know, what what his job is, what 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 you know, what does he do? What does a FIFA agent do for players? What does he do? Like what is his regular life like? Does he travel? Does he not? Does he watch his games? Does he watch his players? You know, we'll, we'll get him on. Uh, he's part of Joga Sports Group. That's who I guess who he works for or what the the organization that he's he's with so we're gonna hit him up uh here hopefully oh, I'm, I'm actually moving here in a couple of weeks so i'm probably gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna try to you know put another episode next week or the next couple of weeks but i might go might go dark for a little bit uh just because of the whole moving situation but probably the episode that we come back with might be with chris peralta probably in the beginning of the year so we're gonna try to set up Something nice, something a little bit more professional. Probably over Zoom, honestly, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll do something uh, live. Who knows? We'll see how 2024 uh, comes to us. Um, but he asked me a question about um, Dynamo Academy and 
basically the situation there. Dynamo Academy and why so few players have been able to stay within the first team roster. So here's going to be my cheap plug, right? My plug is going to be for Bayou City Soccer. If you guys, if you guys haven't uh, checked this out by now, I am part kind of co-host, kind of, you know, co-talker of Bayou City Soccer where we do it with Rudy, Rodrigo, Joey, Manny, uh, Dustin, uh, Derek over there, uh, Billy. So we're a group that, uh, and now Francia, she joined our group. Um, we're doing, basically we follow Houston Dynamo, follow Houston Dash, follow Houston Dynamo Dos. We give you all the information. We put out articles. We put out um, number stuff, information, breaking news, a bunch of other stuff that we can come up with and content, uh, you know, around the soccer world in the city of Houston. We, we put it out over there. And I'm going to bring up the actual conversation to them. And I think it would be a little bit more productive. But I'm also going to give my two cents in here. So my two cents is that, um, well, as we know, the Houston Dynamo were not properly put together. Well, they were not properly put together as a club, as a soccer organization. I think um, the owners that they had. We're not ready for it. We're not invested in it. They honestly, they didn't care about the club. They didn't care about the sport. They just didn't. They just didn't give a shit, right? It was a money grab. Uh, you know, just having a, a a nice brand of soccer in the city. I'm sure somewhere somehow they were making some money with sponsorships and this and that, right? But now having Ted Siegel coming in, you know, dropping a good amount of money, not only in the organization but well obviously on the in the organization but not in just the first team but in the club as a whole i think has changed the situation tremendously i mean he got rid of paul holliker who was the director of the academy so that goes to kind of tell you how much of a revamp he wanted to do that he went and he cut everything from the roots and i think you know it's it's going to be better obviously now also having MLS Next Pro, which is a a reserve uh, team, a a reserve league of all the of all the MLS teams, that's gonna also help the product of the academy, you know, be able to be built up and put to play in this MLS Next Pro category and then potentially, you know, going into the future in the first team of the MLS. I mean a great product and somebody, I guess, a great example that this transition has helped. And and it, it kind of works and not at the same time because it's a play that was brought from outside uh, with the expectations and the hopes and dreams that it, he was going to make it. And he now is a starting center back for the Dynamo is Mikel Dos Santos. Uh, whenever he came to the city, whenever he came to Houston, he played uh, and this MLS Next Pro team, he was, you know, basic. He wasn't a captain, captain, but he was part of the group, and he was able to transition to the first team. Uh, Quinones, he spent a good amount of minutes in MLS Next Pro, even though he was a first player team. And then a bunch of other, you know, guys that um, might make their way up. Um, you know, there's there's guys that are a little bit older that had some U.S. Open Cup minutes. They're probably going to transition out because you know. If, if you don't make it to pro 24, 25, 26 years old, most likely is that you probably, it's not that you'll never play uh, professional soccer or like MLS level soccer, but it's going to be harder for people, for people to look at, at you. 
uh, unless you have, you know, you're basically have to pull a, a, a Griffin Dorsey and just bust your ass, you know, get cut from multiple MLS Next Pro teams, go to a club as a, you know, as a low paid player and just basically build yourself up to become a, one of the most important players in a club as Griffin Dorsey has basically become for this Houston Dynamo team in the last few months, right? He started on the bench. Uh, at points, he wasn't even playing or being on the team sheet. And now he's an undisputed and vital part of, you know, the Houston Dynamo as it is. Um, a lot of moving parts, obviously, when it comes to running an organization or soccer organization as it is. Obviously, the MLS is not built the same way as other um, entities are built when it comes to, you know, the, the world of football. Uh, when you look at, like, for example, obviously, the one that I know is Argentina, but all the teams in Argentina are are non-profits, per se. Um, so they're run by, they do have a president, but the president is picked by by the people, like the, the socios, the, the quote-unquote tickets, tickets, oh, that's a hard word. Tekken, oh my god, season ticket holders, why can I say tickets in the beginning, but season ticket holder, holder, season, whatever, you know what I mean, but the people that pay the, the quota, the people that pay their, their dues every month, those are the people that get to elect who runs the club for a certain amount of years, basically like a country in a way, and then those people obviously make financial moves, not only in the soccer part of stuff, but like, for example, Boca Juniors has a professional basketball team, has volleyball teams, has football team, has a, a women's team, obviously, of soccer, and multiple other sports that kind of go into this, like, group. It's kind of like a giant YMCA, in a way, that actually creates and, you know, turns around money, has a following, people love it. Um, but it's kind of having like a bunch of YMCA's in, in in different regions of the country in a way. Um, obviously, it's a different model, but I think that model requires those clubs and teams to obviously propel young talent so they can make profit. If if you know, it sounds kind of bad, but that's the only way that they kind of earn money by selling players because they don't really do anything else, right? They're a nonprofit. They don't sell anything unless you're like very popular. You can sell jerseys and stuff like that. But if you're like a local club, like, I don't know, Lanús, Banfield, uh, like you play in the first division, but you're kind of like a local team, uh, not a worldwide, you know, brand, maybe like Boca or River, then obviously your your options are going to be, you know, being able to move players from your team to maybe a bigger team, obviously getting a nice paycheck and then in investing that into your club, being able to compete in international cups, Copa Libertadores, Sudamericanas, uh, you know, stuff like that, which will give you price money so you can kind of reinvest and stuff like that, right? And that's what you're kind of looking for. That's why a lot of countries like Brazil, now they're privatizing all the clubs But, you know, obviously, culturally, they're different. Uh, you know, kids are born with soccer balls on their feet, basically. So it, it, it's kind of different, but also, let's be honest, but, you know, scouts and people here in the city of Houston and the you know Houston area um, have neglected, you know, the, the youth have neglected soccer players. I mean, I've always told people, like, I know so many great soccer players in my era that, you know, with a little bit of 
you know, I don't know if luck, but better contact positioning in life that could have been, you know, great soccer players or, or great professionals at least. Uh, who knows where they would have ended up. But, I mean, I've, I've seen talent. And I see talent till this day, you know, at Vote League and stuff like, and, you know, Sunday Leagues across the city. You see guys that you're like, damn, like, maybe if they were put in a different environment, they could make it. You know, you never know. Uh, they could even make it to an MLS Next Pro team, which is, you know, second tier to to the professional level or, you know, USL, USL League One. Like, people that get paid to play, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, hopefully those those were my points. Hopefully you guys understand what I'm trying to say. But I want you to let me know. Let me know in the comments uh, section somewhere. <laughs> let me know what you think. Let me know if this makes sense at all. And we'll try to come back next week and, and talk about different different things when it comes uh, to the sport of, of soccer. We'll, we're trying to set up a little bit more interviews, obviously, with the whole moving situation. It might be a little bit harder. But just know that I am trying to get back on the horse. And I'm feeling, even though I was having a rough time, I'm feeling a little bit more inspired now. And we're going to try to keep growing the community in different aspects. So shout out to you guys for listening. Shout out to you guys for staying put and believing and trusting in whatever I have to say for 20 minutes. So without further ado, yeah, continue to have a great day. Love y'all very much. And we'll see you guys in the next time, next episode of Cuatro Cuatro Dos. See you guys.